What are we gonna call it? The Weinstro Pod? Weinstronaut Podcast? The what? Um, the Satellite Wine Club Spectacular? I think the some play on pod. wine the and podcast. Pod. Hi, I'm Drew Cuddy. I'm the owner of Satellite in Santa Barbara, and this is our podcast where we talk to winemakers about what they're doing, um, usually under the uh, umbrella of our wine club, and sometimes not. But um, we're here to talk about wine and kind of explore the uh, the adventure that natural winemaking is and it, what it is for so many different people and um, putting that into context for what it is for us. So we're here to share wine with you. Sean Magruder, I'm a wine writer, former employee at Satellite. I'm just really stoked to be in Santa Barbara with this wine scene. Lots of young winemakers doing new things and uh, we're just hoping to really shine a spotlight on that. So follow us along. Um, so I guess this is the first podcast and I'm so Yay! excited. All right. um, or whatever this is. This podcast, it's a video blog, a vlog. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyhow, we've, we're uh, super stoked to have Gretchen Volker on the show today. Yeah, uh, glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sean, we will uh, magically in post introduce ourselves uh, with an intro at some point. Yeah. We'll work on I that. hope you have a Magical catchy little tune and such. But so Gretchen Volker, Luna Heart Wines yeah. um, in the wine club this month, um, showing off Syrah. Yes. Um, so yes. I think uh, what we should do is probably start drinking it. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Without further ado. Excellent. Um, so I'm going to pour, I think this should be our uh, our method. We'll just pour in a glass for each of us and then we can put the other wine in a glass um, just to like, you know, share a little smell. Oh, I spilled on the <laughs> uh, walnut. That's all right. Walnut. Good luck. Good luck for the first one. Can you check us a towel? Yeah, sure. Thank you, laptop boy. <laughs> oh, wait, this one's yours. So, yeah. Keep this one here. Um, so what is this wine, by the way? So this is 2021 Luna Heart Syrah from Heinrich's Vineyard in Ballard Canyon. Um, and so I'm super lucky to get to have both my winery um, and this incredible vineyard that I work with in Ballard Canyon um, and get to work with both ends of the spectrum. Uh, this is my fifth, well, this past year fifth, this release is the uh, fourth release of the wine. Um, and I'm so pumped about it. Um, I think that it's really kind of taken me a little bit of time to get into the groove with this vineyard and um, step into the wine I truly want to make with this property. Um, but so this little spot is five acres um, of pure sand soil. Um, on the south end of Ballard Canyon, tucked down into the valley of, um, like, if you're thinking of Ballard Canyon, the north end has a lot of higher elevation, the south end, uh, a lot more valley topography, and it, this is tucked down into that valley. Um, and it was planted in 1999, so quite established vines, um, and the Geneva double curtain. So for those of you that don't know, um, yes. it is more or less like table grapes, where you have the cordon, the woody part, way yeah. up high, and all the greenery canes cascade down. And so you have this protection, not just from the valley itself, but also from the way that the vines are growing. Um, and between all of that and the sandy soil, I just think this vineyard truly has such a thumbprint um, specific character that I just fell in love with the That's first cool. time I tasted the fruit. I hadn't realized what, about the Geneva double curtain. I think like older vineyards in Santa Barbara definitely yeah. does a lot like that. Yeah. Like the, um, Last month we had a Merlot from a vineyard um, that's like just right off the. Do you remember where exactly the Merlot vineyard I is? Find that, so yeah, like yeah, '60s like random yeah. Yeah. old the site old. Uh, that's just Geneva double curtain, uh. like thick from the bottom <laughs> to the top. Yep. Yeah, like it's a it's a like I guess like a nutrient highway, super yeah. highway, uh, but like totally. Yeah, it was, it, I guess because it's all sandy, it's probably a kind of desirable. 
like big, sturdy, hearty. Yeah. And I I mean, it truly is. We always play Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> we pick this group because it truly <laughs> has this Syrah jungle feel. Syrah has those kicker canes that are just keep going for miles. So mm-hmm. they have just the craziest canopy. Um, and the owner planted it all. And I think it was just like that old school farmer mentality. He's not a winemaker. And... <laughs> He was one of the first few in Ballard Canyon to plant his vines and, um, yeah, got hooked on that. Um, Who who was the first in Ballard Canyon? It was Rusak, but it was not called Rusak. I think it was called Ballard Canyon Vineyard, um, and that was planted in the 70s. Yeah. So I love Ballard Canyon, especially the Syrah. I mean, we are the most westerly region outside the Santa Rita Hills. Um, so we are warm climate, but we teeter on the edge of cool climate. And to me, that is what makes the Syrah so unique, that we can show the heat and the warmth of it, but also all of the finesse and layers that come from from both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And that's such a good point, too, because, you know, in Santa Barbara, we talk so much about Pinot and Chard and Santa Rita Hills. Yeah. But, you know, Syrah, it turns out, is the only ABA in America dedicated yeah, to Yeah, I just learned that. Isn't that amazing? I, I mean, love we think it, about, yeah. Ballard, you know, yeah, Canyon. Really? the only one. Mm-hmm. You, know? Go. you mm-hmm. might think of that's Santa so Cruz cool. Mountains or yeah. Sonoma with PAX or Washington, yeah. but it's Ballard Canyon that's established that and yeah. um, for good reason. That's yeah. Super cool. Definitely. When, Gretchen, when you say um, other ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. going back just a moment, do you mean that normally you're working on the northern side of Ballard yeah, Canyon? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, our, our my other project, Piazza Family Wines, is where my winery is. And so I make both projects there. And so we're the north end of the, the valley. So a lot more sun and wind exposure, um, which totally just brings a total different characteristic to the wines. Um, but also just looking at other producers in Ballard Canyon, most producers are making really big, bold wines. Um, and I really aim to show a little bit more of a finesse to them. Um for lack of a better word. Yeah. And so I really love, there's always like a savory quality to this vineyard, like the olive tapenade, mm-hmm. um, kind of Northern Rhone notes, um, as well as such an in- cool array of pepper notes. Um, and yeah, it's like, a, it's some, like some sort of like Brazil pepper tree. Yeah, like, yeah totally. Cambodian peppercorns. It's really, really cool. Do you, do you find like, when you're looking like shopping for Syrah for yourself, are you leaning more in a, like to a producer or a region or like like inside uh, France, outside France? Yeah, like- I love Northern Rhone um, for sure. I love, I definitely love more savory qualities to a Syrah. Um, I really had a hard time getting into Syrah at the beginning because I felt so many, so many of them were. It, especially when I first started in 2012, very jammy characteristics of the wine. And I just, yeah. um, I just, it took a while to find the right inspiration that was really showing more of the layers um, to the wine itself. Yeah. And it's fun to see that a lot of producers are now heading that direction here as well, um, which I find refreshing because in my opinion, um, the typical Syrah, and I, and especially this is for people outside of our bubble, right? People that taste Syrah that live in the rest of the country, they taste the biggest and the boldest. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that the menu is going to have. Starting at 14.5%. Exactly. <laughs> As a minimum. Exactly. Floor, and yeah. to me, those wines feel smashed into the glass. It's like mm-hmm. all jam and no layer. And you want when, to throw a little sparkling water yeah, in. Kind of like exactly. Yeah, exactly. Elevate totally. it. Like <laughs> let loose those more delicate yeah. tertiary flavors. Totally. Like, yeah. And Syrah really has so much depth to it mm-hmm. if given the chance to showcase it. Totally. Yeah. And that leads me to something too, which is going back to the both sides of Ballard Canyon yeah. operation you've got. What do you see, you know, climactically yeah. in the soil that yeah. really... Um, makes those two distinct from one another. Yeah. So this year was especially fun. In general, it's always fun for me. Um, we don't really tend to release the wines at the same time just because of inventory. Um, but um, our estate, Piazza, was planted in 2001, and these vines were 1999, and both are Estrella clone mm. Syrah. So they're the same clone, wow. almost the same mm. age, but... Um, 
But as I mentioned, Piazza has a ton of sunshine. We're higher elevation, about 1,100 feet, um, and a lot of wind exposure, but also yeah. pure limestone soil. Yeah. So that's wow. a big yeah. player mm-hmm. as well. Like everything. Everything. It should, everything be, it should be mentioned, too. There's very little of that out here. Exactly. So that alone is very special. Yeah. They can't be more than like a kilometer or two. No. Like, yeah. yeah Super completely close. Different. Five to hmm. seven minute drive. And really, we can see that all change. So Piazza is this little pocket of limestone. All of our neighboring vineyards are a little bit of mixed rubber bed. Even mm-hmm. Stoltman beneath us is um, a tiny block. One of their or two of their blocks have a little bit of limestone, yeah. and then it switches to it, riverbed. Like it's really deep. I yeah, think. and then um, Honada is sandy soil. So that's mm. you know we see that on the other side. But then outside of Honada, it's mostly pretty dense clay in South Ballard Canyon, except for this little tiny pocket of beach sand. And that's I mean, so Heinrichs is tucked in between the old Durian Hill which it has a new name now, and I can't remember what it is, and Kimsey, neither of which really have much sand. So again, mm. it really shows the nuance of Ballard Canyon yeah. um, yes. that we I'm only have 500 acres of vines in the entire AVA, uh, but so much diversity within such a small space. Space. I had no clue till just now. Yeah. Limestone <laughs> and of course, you know, chemise and things yeah. like that. But uh had yeah. no clue until just now. Yeah. Is it is it just planted to Syrah there? Or is there uh yeah, Heiner's is all Syrah. Awesome. All Syrah. Way cool. And so also like I'm started to talk about how this year was such an interesting snapshot of how these two different vineyards play. Um with all the heat that we had at the top of the hill this summer, still getting cool nights. So I was really bracing myself for a harvest like 2020 where we'd have this super ripe fruit and no acid. Yeah. Um, and luckily we were still getting our cold nights. And we're so getting shamooms with like yeah, 105 degree wind and totally. the moon at like two in the morning. Yeah. So typically on the estate, we pick um, begin picking Syrah middle of uh, September and we finish up picking with Graciano and Nebbiolo close to end of October. Right. This year, everything was picked or scheduled to be picked by Labor Day. <laughs> so is, for, for this 2021 vintage? No, for okay. this, this the year. Yes. Um, okay. And then 2021 to me was my dream winemaking year because I aim to make uh, lower alcohol, higher acid wines. And um, every vineyard that I worked with, really, I was able to truly find the flavor depth to make the wines yeah. that I want to make. Enough um, time for ripening to happen, so yeah. you get the full thing, but not like lighting a fire under every vine. Exactly. Like, like oh, are we going to miss it? But I think, yeah. and then again, to touch back on this year, um, and, and last year as well, this vineyard, because of how much protection it has, it can be very difficult um, just with we get mildew pressure there and the bees start to hammer it. And so there always gets to a point where I'm like, this fruit is not going to ripen anymore. Like if These we wait, are going to <laughs> they're say done. No. They're done. <laughs> yeah. And it's usually, it's usually pretty low. It's usually yeah. around 21 bricks yeah. and that all the other buyers are terrified of that. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure. like, I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah, you know? Sure. Um, and so this vineyard has really kind of forced me into having confidence in, in making the wines I yeah. want to make because nice. you don't really have another choice unless totally. you want to let the fruit degrade. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so like in terms of winemaking too, so you went in, you harvested this, you said late September? This guy would have been, this is always my last, last pick of the year. Okay. So I picked this, um, I should have looked today, but um, it would have been mid to late October for okay. sure. Cool. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, and it's 13 and a half percent alcohol. Yeah. And it's got like <laughs> incredibly fresh fruit and acidity. Like, yeah. It feels like you like really get this like fresh blackberry, fresh blueberry, like mulberry quality yeah. of like, totally. acidity and fruit to it. And then it's like, hits you with like all of these like layers of like there's a palette of like a dust of like kind of like sandy dusty kind of like feeling to it like, yeah kind of sets you in the place and then you get the all of these layers of spice like sage and like marjoram and like i don't know there's this real tiny sort of like i don't know like yeah especially on the finish uh, yeah, yeah yeah totally um and a little bit of that savory meat like 
sanguinine, irony, oh, yeah. salty, Jerky and, yeah, like, totally, all that. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested to see like how the fruit becomes more like cured meaty mm-hmm. with fresh fruit, and then kind of all of that moves forward over yeah. time. Like this wine with the structure. Did you ferment? Did you? Do you stand everything? So what's I the, love process? making Syrah. Yeah. It's my favorite. I it's want your, your process because we, gotta, <laughs> yeah, we feel that from drinking. <laughs> so I have a few tricks up my sleeve that I've learned over time. Um, and I do a little bit of de-stemmed fruit. Mm-hmm. We do a decent amount, amount um, whole cluster. And then we do a certain percentage of dried stems. So I collect oh, the stems cool. mm. as we de-stem it. And then I lay them out in the sun and let them lignify and turn to woody stems in the sun. And then I add them back to do fermentation. You, do you do mm. like a layered like lasagna approach? So or that, is this more of a like... I add them in. It's always like an <laughs> estimation. Bathtub. People are like, what percentage is the dried stem? I'm like, well, I did yeah. like a 10-gallon bucket yeah. of dried stems in there. <laughs> right, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but I... Um, I'm a big fan of foot stumping, so mm. I put them in there and then mix them up a lot with my feet. Um, and I really find that that element of the dried stems in Syrah in particular yeah. adds this quality to the wines that makes it seem like they've been aged for a year longer than they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and like this extra layer of complex mature tannin. It's got this like, yeah, it kind of brings like, um, it's a firmer tannin than maybe it would have been otherwise. Yeah. It sort of puts like a bookend on the hmm. whole experience like yeah in the mouth right it yeah like feels a little bit more anchored yeah a little totally. gusto from the yeah. lignification does it yeah. do you find your acidity gets pulled out with that, i mean with the whole cluster for sure i don't notice a whole stem? lot with the dried stems cool. yeah yeah and i've experimented with that with grenache and morvedra did not really see any uptick with that but this year we did some with the graciana which i'm excited to see because i think the graciana is good yeah <laughs> like, people should be buying the graciano it's really good yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so I, I i but my opinion of graciano and I, I make most of it carbonic because i find that it lacks mid palate on mm-hmm. its own and so my thought was oh well maybe the dried stems could be that layer that accentuates the mid palate well i can't wait to try it. so yeah but um yeah, and I just actually did a little dinner at home, and I was a little nervous to showcase this wine to my family because maybe they like a little bit riper wines mm-hmm. and this and that, and I'm so proud of this, and um, they loved it just as much, but I made um, filet mignon crostini with homemade aioli and caramelized onions, and it truly was a match made in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready for round two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, We'll come by. We'll see the waterfalls and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm interested in the filet mignon on a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> should we? Uh, should we try the other wine? Yeah, and the context let's do it. Of it, sure. See what happens. Um, so I'm gonna actually be. Uh, I should send this to you, laptop boy. Yeah. Uh, to read us the facts. I'm gonna do that. Do I'm gonna forward you this so that you can Not read them, and we're gonna edit this out. Um, <laughs> So it's from Ted Talley. So this is a this wine's imported mm, um, by uh, Terraforma, which is a really cool um, little. They used to be the Rosenthal Wine Company of California. Like okay. they held the whole Rosenthal book, and then Rosenthal decided to start in, you know, distributing themselves in California. So the Talley family, who owned the rights for California, just brought in the most amazing import book that like happened out of nowhere. And so I've been really diving in with a couple things. They've made a few wine clubs and like they're pulling really interesting small producers. Yeah. Like this is not even um technically San Joseph, but it's fully in the AVA. It's mm-hmm. just a young vineyard, it's twenty sixteen and cool. she is from Ardesh and I don't think cares about the AVA yeah. or the Appalachian. So. <laughs> Just want to make the wine. Yeah. Um, it's awesome and awesome to showcase these wines together. They're a good match, I think. It's very, it's really, really cool. So she, I think, is more you know in her 40s um, and doing some you know really, really cool stuff. Um, but here's what I have for the notes. Um, I'm not going to pass them to you, Laptop Boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So uh, planted in 2016 in St. Joseph. She does not want to deal with the Appalachian. Um, 2019 was the first vintage. We have the 21 here. Is that right? 
21. Nice. Perfect. Um, and what's cool about this, it's like going to set it apart, you know, like really just like texturally, is that it's two thirds uh, in amphora. Ah, love um, that. Yeah, and then one third is old barrel. Um, it was bottled in April. Um, and it's funny, they're, you know, both the importer and the, uh, the wine rep are like, you got any more information? I was like, no, I don't. Um, I mean, that's more than I thought you were going to have, yeah, to be honest. Um, that's so she, she uh, yeah, she is young from the Ardash and kind of like creating this whole um, winery just by the, you know, the sweat and the dirt on her brow. And right. Yeah. Really fun. So I feel like right off the bat, this speaks to just a difference in climate yeah. between the two wines. Like. Mm-hmm. You get that sunshine, although there's the complexity with, yeah. with your Syrah, um, especially Gretchen. But with this one, there's a there's a nice French cool kind of talk about greeny rockiness to it. So you yeah. know we're talking about Gretchen's at 13.5, and like for our region here, like that's really low in alcohol. Yeah, she's labeling this at 11. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is probably higher than 11 percent. But maybe not. Um, it has but, a lot of depth to it for eleven percent, which yeah, again yeah. Right, is like sure. the misnomer, right? Yeah, younger right, grapes right. too, and like you know, it's just kind of like I think it's kind of a fun, like you know, tighter, leaner yeah. approach, and then the M four kind of adds like a weird complexity to it. That yeah, yeah, I love that it has a you know similar olive tapenade vibe, but this to me is so much more like black olive tapenade, mm-hmm. like yeah. like almost sun dry black olives. Um, whereas this bit, one is a little more greener olive texture to it. I get a little bit more reduction on it too, yeah. I feel like. Sure. Yeah. yeah. How do you deal with the reduction with like, do oh you have gosh. problems with so much problems with it? So, so is like reduction prone, right? Um, there's a few of these barrels that I think we pumped over for two and a half hours mm-hmm. a few times each. The, and I'm like, I hope it's okay. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. like maybe we should say what why you would do that. Like why expose yeah. why pump yeah. over the wine to so, expose it to so much oxygen. So in my experience, Syrah is reductive from day one when you bring it into the cellar. Reduction so being reduction a euphemism for sulfur smell in the wine. Yeah, but then it becomes can can it starts off as being maybe a little bit of an eggy, sulfury smell, but then it evolves to be um, a lot more of a intense flinty characteristic and a touch of that. I love it. It's really nice. Or mocha can also be come across as a mocha right. note. Hmm. Um, but when it's gone too far, it's like, oh my gosh, does somebody light a match in this glass and it can be intense. Yeah. Oh, there's um, a blue angel in there. Um, and so I, um, with Syrah in general, I, I really think of myself as an intuitional winemaker and uh, and when people ask what does that mean and can, what does that mean compared to how most wine is made and just recently it popped into my head that it's proactive versus reactive winemaking and so I do everything to try to be proactive um, whereas when you're larger production and you need to use additives and this and that it's because you're reacting to something that's already happened in the wine mm-hmm. and so um, what that means is we taste a lot and so um we when i go out to the vineyard i'm tasting at least twice a week leading up to picking before i decide to pick and then usually that week we pick i'm out there three or four times every other day um and then once the wines come in once we process them uh and again like we sort meticulously slow because being proactive i want to take as much damage as possible out and in Mm. this particular vineyard we get a lot of bee damage. And so that's a really mm. big challenge and a really meticulous, tedious process. Does that look like basically just like the skin hollowed is gone, out. they're yeah. hollowed, and then there's just like pips hanging off? And it smells like vinegar. So you're yeah. like, this yeah. is going to put vinegar in the wine. Right. So yeah. it's important to take the time to remove it. And mm-hmm. I'm sure every intern that's ever worked with me is ready to strangle me and and it's always the last one so it's like okay well here we go you guys we're gonna be here for a long time congratulations on a great harvest we just have one special bonus exactly we're gonna be covered in sticky black inky fruit for 12 hours (laughs) there are bees (laughs) 
yeah. They're totally. not all gone. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, but once it's in tank, I taste every day, twice a day, because it is truly alive and it truly does change morning and night. And so every we do not follow a recipe with cap management versus pump overs versus punch downs versus nothing at all. Um, we always take the time to taste and make a decision. But inevitably with the Syrah, because we have reduction pretty much from day one, it's a lot of really long pump overs every single day. And usually I'm like, oh, maybe we should throw one punch down in there. Maybe just a little instruction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, right, right. But, but a lot of pump overs. Um, and then once it's in barrel, again, kind of backing off a little bit, but still tasting once a month to really look at them. And again, that proactive. And what does that mean if you're not adding things to the wines? It means adding, I do add sulfur, but the minimal amount. And part of that is adding it when it becomes necessary instead of waiting to add it as a reaction. So if I taste a barrel and it seems a little funky, I'll add the tiniest bit of sulfur. Or on the converse with these guys, um, they start to get match sticky. We, it's the only wine where I will rack it before bottling. Stick a big like hose in and just <laughs> yeah. blow through it and just blow bubbles yeah, in the wine. Like, yeah, a lot of free up the salt. <laughs> we stir a few times and then I'm like, dang, that didn't work. And so then you'll we'll use actually... your same like a stirring yeah. rod just like you would if you were kicking up leaves. Exactly. Uh-huh. And try to see if that'll handle reduction. Yeah. And then I actually just this week had uh, my lovely assistant winemaker um, give the royal treatment to one of the barrels. And I think it needed a solid two hours. Will you, <laughs> so like, it, I know there's like lots of strategy. Will you like uh, rack off your leaves or will you do multiple racks or do you try and like leave it with the leaves as long as you yeah. can if it's not getting too reductive? Yeah, or? so I love to keep the wines untouched um, pretty much until we bottle them. So if I can get away with it, we only rack the week leading up to bottling. Um, and we will stir some of them sometimes to incorporate leaves for tannin management and sometimes for reduction reasons. Um, and then the whites get racked twice. So okay. for clarity, cause they're unfined and unfiltered and, I do want them to be pretty clear. <laughs> this is, I, I, everyone has to have the Gruner Velt leaner, which yeah. was, I yeah, think, amen. I think one of probably our, we had it in the wine club, I think, early, early, mm-hmm. early on, like probably one of the one first, of the first four wine yeah. clubs, I think, back in 2017. So, yeah. Yeah. So, continues to be excellent. So, yeah. um, and Gruner Bubbles right around the corner. Oh, let's pumped. go. Super pumped. I'm loving this like aromatic white bubble. Yeah. we're in right now yeah like yes please let's get bubbly gruner let's get bubbly albarino <laughs> yeah i'm so totally. stoked you're doing that totally so yeah but um i try to just rack even just the whites twice so we do it once a month before and then once the week before and i also always try to rack in conjunction with the moon so i oh. look at the apogee which is when the moon has the least gravitational pull and is the furthest from the earth and in my opinion and my experience over the last 10 years, I get just that much clearer of a wine. No kidding. Wow. From cool. the leaves settling just that much. You more. are like an ancient uh, <laughs> Catholic monk in a yeah. remote part of Italy. I'm like, you guys, we have to schedule bottling so it all makes sense here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, it's, it's a good practice. Yeah. Did, that, did that practice every, inform every the name of your label? Or are you they know, unrelated? It did yeah. not. It did not. So my brand was originally called Moon Unit Wines in 2014 because that's There are what, some old Instagram posts about yes. Moon Unit Wines. Yeah, so I was forgetting that. I was like, what is this Moon Unit Wines? Yeah. So <laughs> and then, uh, Frank that, Zappa's daughter came in, right? Well, exactly. Yeah, my dad called me Moon Unit and that was really uh-huh. where it came from. Mm. And then I learned about Frank Zappa's daughter through the, tra- <laughs> the label process, but her trademark was for music and <laughs> merchandise and I was going for wine. So I decided to go for it. And then after selling out of that first vintage, we had the next vintage in bottle, but no labels printed, luckily. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I got a cease and desist followed <laughs> by um, maybe we should do business together. Oh, man. And I was like, I don't think you understand. I'm making 24 cases of pretty nerdy wine. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, hey. Sorry, technical support. We've got an overheat warning on the iPad and it stopped recording. Okay. Joseph. (laughs) Support. (laughs) Because there's a nearby personal hotspot to connect to also. 
It's having a whole freak out fit. Oh, wait, um, is that that affect our audio? I don't know. No, it oh, is, this, oh, is okay. it doing anything? Oh, we're good. See how it says the camera? It caught us in a fun risen. moment there. It did. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like mouth agape, dying, like, ah, thinking about ah, moon unit being threatened by your that's, 24 cases. Yeah. That is crazy, though. So she, what is moon unit a band? It's a, her name. A, it's a woman from the 80s. It's she had name? one. Yeah. You got a, she had I'm not, one song, I'm, I Valley Girl from the Valley 80s. Girl. That yeah. was her big song. Her dad, Frank Zappa, is a famous like, avant garde yeah, jazz guy. Yeah. But uh, is her name actually Moon Unit? Oh, yeah. Is. They all have very bizarre. Her brother is Dweezel. Yeah. Dweezel? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's cool. Is it D apostrophe? Weasel? Uh, no. That, yeah. that would have been better. <laughs> D-W-E-E-Z-I-L. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, hey, yeah. after that, I decided to go back to the drawing board. My cousin and I had created the image of the moon with the flower of life fading into dust, which is still incorporated into the image today. Um, and... Um, and I really wanted to keep that, but take the time to pick something that I felt was more reflective of my style, mm -hmm. which I see as a balance of feminine and masculine energies. And so the moon, Luna is the more feminine side, higher acid, lower alcohol wines, um, when Santa Barbara allows it. <laughs> um, and the heart is the stag, the stag's antlers. Um, and mm. that is the masculine side. Um, and you know, that all of the STEM inclusion and um, mm. interesting little things that I do to to add that little masculine touch with all the whites. They all have uh, skin contact, varying degrees of skin contact. Love that. Um, and also compared to a lot of other people that make wines in a similar style, um, I like to do a little bit of longer uh, maceration on the skins. So all of the fermentations end up being about three weeks. Um, and I really like that tad tannin development um and the complexity that comes from that final week right. once the wine's dry i feel like your wines always have this kind of like you were talking about with the, the dried stems but they have this more like intentional more set tannin structure yeah. that feels like it feels both like really integrated into the wine but it feels very much like it's framing it yeah, in this way present. that is yeah but, and it doesn't matter if it you know what wine white or red that you have like they everything kind of has this texture that mm -hmm. like feels really intentional and really yeah. puts like a point on the wine yeah and, definitely yeah, it's, it's, there's a presence that's like very very clear there yeah yeah Again, we can tell you love making it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I love to cook. And so it's also important to me. Like, I think that all my wines tend to be very expressive aromatically. And again, the texture as well, that they're delicious on their own, but also really diversely food friendly is important to me. I really want them. I don't want you to feel like you need to decide which Luna Heart or Piazza wine goes with your dinner. They should all go with your dinner. Yeah. Nice. So. Yeah. They're, they, that's the most like kind of clear they're like super flexible. Yeah. Like they're great to drink totally. on their own because they have all these layers and they're like, yeah. they're very interesting, but they're also like clearly food wines. They have, they don't like don't, they, they have the acidity, they have like this levity and refreshment to them, but they're yeah. also like super food flavors. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know we're talking to Syrah, but going back to the Gruner for a moment, yeah. I want to say that was by the glass, Woo! you know, every two weeks yeah. uh, during my tenure at Satellite. I think it was, I think it was there when I started, yeah. uh, which was a trip because I remember you came in one night yeah. and I was like, oh my I'd God. I'd like to make it on um, the bottom glass And, and not only, sure. you know, it's it's sold uh, by itself yeah. based on its characteristics, but being at Satellite, it was the easiest wine to pair with um, so many, you know, foods. exactly. Yeah, totally. um, so like, thank you for making my job easier <laughs> in addition pepper. to producing an amazing wine. Yeah, you know, the, you. one of the main ingredients in the yoga pants salad dressing is white pepper. So and yeah, it really is a gruner salad. Totally. Yeah. And herbs, like all <laughs> yeah. of those flavors. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Core of the experience. Um, what are you going to cook? Uh, what are we going to, what are we going to have these bottles with? When are we what having filet mignon? Yeah, when are we having yeah. filet mignon with your folks? Filet mignon, my other favorite go-to. Well, of course, blue cheese, Saint Agur, mm -hmm. with either of these wines is mm -hmm. a match made in heaven. Um, Why is that? It does feel like blue cheese is like specifically 
the thing for Syrah. And Syrah, I don't and know it doesn't matter the style. Yeah. Like whether it's a lighter style or a rich style, blue cheese is gonna hit the spot. It, I think it's a texture. It feels thing, like right? the, the the key to my mouth right now is a hunk of blue cheese. Mm-hmm. Like it, like that's then I'll have all of the flavors that I'm looking for. Can yeah. fact check Brett get yeah. blue cheese? <laughs> Laptop boy, you got any blue cheese in the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Dirty martini. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that's that, interesting. Yeah. The other thing I really wanted to play around with this wine, and I think this would also be really wonderful with it, is um, um, like a seared duck breast with blackberry peppery sauce mm. um, to go with it. Like nice, like the, the duck breast has that like wonderful kind of like irony. Yeah, totally. Stands out. Totally. Really goes with it. Or we're still in Chanterelle season in Santa Barbara. Oh, they're going crazy. (laughs) I literally go to the farmer's market every Tuesday and every Mm -hmm. Saturday to buy Chanterelles. My pocketbook is empty, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't care. Did you score big tonight? Oh, yeah. Tonight is Tuesday. Oh, yeah. And the Tutti Fruity guy, Ryan, now knows me personally. Excellent. That's a dangerous connection. (laughs) (laughs) We're buying tomatoes and chanterelles like crazy. Well, and when I did that dinner back east, I took chanterelles in my suitcase (laughs) to make a a chanterelle gruyere tart with Chardonnay. That's how to become the most popular winemaker. Pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, you're putting mushrooms in your suitcase. Isn't that sketchy? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to do know. it. I don't <laughs> know. Somebody stop me. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are they going to do? Come after you for your delicious rare mushrooms? Yeah. yeah that's totally a crime. Like <laughs> you, you were one of the first, like, direct winemaker tastings I had yeah, when we first when opened, did, right? I, I don't remember exactly how we met, but we met very early on. I wonder who introduced and, us. You might have just you may have just Ryan, come in. It was Ryan. Was it Ryan Rock? You were working it with him. It was then. Ryan. Yeah. I was working with him. And, and I was... had I had done a harvest with him and Sam who was working with mm-hmm. him at Burning Creek Vineyard. Yeah. And were you working in the cellar then? Or I had was you... working in Burning Creek on and off. Okay. Um and Ryan Roark is how this all started for me. He is the guy that is paying it forward. Your every Texas step of the way. Texan winemaking <laughs> wine connection. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not the only one that can attribute their career to Ryan, and that's a that's beautiful true. thing. And I I try to give that to everybody that I work with as well. Um, but yeah, it was actually right when I was about to re-release. You were like the first person to buy my wines. That's right. Okay, because you were like, this is my new brand. New Brand. Luna Hart. Exactly. And this is my delicious green yeah. I'm like, ooh, I'll have that. Yeah. I will have a lot. Totally. Of that. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I do remember that. meeting you like very fondly and very clearly. Um which is difficult to say for most things that happened in 2017. Yeah. Like, I don't really remember a lot of opening the restaurant. That was, yeah, like, I mean, that was like flashes of color. Unintended. And that was quite liftoff for yeah. the restaurant. Yeah, totally. It was, it was uh, a heavy time of my life. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So thank you for bringing me really good things. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you, what are we thinking uh, in terms of like these, these wines in conversation? I'm so interested to like, you know, I don't know, break, break down what do the you flavors. Mean? Like, you know, I think just like as a general like review of these things, yours mm-hmm. is so inviting and open and like has what I would you know, consider like really classic like Syrah notes, like blue and black fruits mm-hmm. and like that. Mulberry like, always m- sticks out to me. That's such a Ballard Canyon thing. That, too. that in particular. Herby little like, yeah. Garigi berry for sure. But I would have to say like this has a little bit more of like that, that gamey, meaty French, what I think of as a French nose. Yeah. But it's got right. this intensity to the fruit that I think it has this more richness and intensity to the fruit to it. I think too, it's got a lot to drop out. Yeah. Like I feel like there's a lot in suspension in the yeah. wine still. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that also actually might be more of a you know, the terracotta yeah. before aging. So. Yeah, and that finish. I mean, I love the mm. terracotta finish. And and the finish, the tannin structure is the tip of your tongue, which you expect from the terracotta. Yeah, right. Um, a- I think that's a fun, mm. super fun. If you ever want to delve into nerdiness of tannin, 
I need You're to with the right people to do so. <laughs> yes, I need do. to find, like, there was this um, chart I saw in Postmodern Winemaking, which is such a great inspirational book. I did not agree with everything, but it was eye-opening for me. And he has this drawing of where different tannin sources affect Ooh. your mouth. And oh, cool. it truly is true. Um, you Where you feel tannin presence in your mouth is a clue for where the tannin comes from. Really? Yeah. And over mm. time, um, with aging, the tannin chains polymerize, yep. get longer, and eventually they're towards the back of your tongue as these long, smooth, silky tannins. Right. That's mm. so cool because yeah. that this wine, which I just had in my glass, is like so the front rim of totally. my palate, whereas yeah. your wine is not that. It's got like yeah. a totally different profile. Um, and that is why I love oh, here. Would you or, like yours or, or um, put, we have the oh, yeah. French one. In yeah, I brought one. exactly the wrong number. It's an even number. I figured see, it's see, an even so number. Here's, here's my thought though. My rationale was Sean and I will have one glass and then you get to be in charge of one and the other. So you get to comparatively taste your okay. wines and Sean and I will fill our single glass <laughs> with one or the other. It was a glass for laptop boy. And, you know, I just, I texted Joe. He's like, we don't have glasses. I was like, well, we don't have stems. And I was like, well, I want stems for the thing. So anyways, but yeah, it's so, it is so interesting to taste like. Yeah. And the Luna Heart is a lot more of the sides of your mm -hmm. mouth and the back of your palate. And they so are opposite of each other. It is like together. These wines would fill your whole, totally. whole palate with you. It's like, so it is amazing. You have no Real like focus uh, like it mentally it's yeah. there if you like move really your tongue around for it, yeah. but the feeling yeah the emotional attachment is to like more like back of the palate side of the palate yeah and how cool yours has this Very interesting cool. thing too where i mean we talked about the the fruit uh, quality to it but i've noticed this among some ballard canyon santa rita hill syrahs mm -hmm. that i know i should ask first this was all neutral oak yeah yeah so again figured these Syrahs that I know are neutral oak, and yet they have this kind of warmth mm -hmm. that feels not maybe baking spice, but yeah. in some kind of layer like, of like a glaze. Sweet tobacco, just a hint of it where you're like, was that oak or And it's a not. nice and it's a nice kind of I I just kind of attribute it to that sunshine. Yeah. Uh that and that moderate uh climate that allows all these elements to, to fit together at once. Totally. It's so great. It's like it's like a chocolate or a cocoa cocoa plus tobacco yeah. kind of yeah. feel. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. It yeah totally tricks the mind. It's yeah, like, oh, that's like wood inspired, wood wood influence. Right? Exactly, it feels yeah, really something else entirely. And it's and to me, it would like smack me in the face after coming back yeah. from the French Syrah <laughs> the too. French like oh, I yeah. kind of got a whisper of it before, but totally. then it really came through. It's so it's so interesting tasting these like same grapes side by side, but you know, really different. Obviously. Different harvest ripeness, yeah, one hundred percent. But in such a you know, like there's a there is a closeness, and the there's a super distance between the two. Yeah, well. mm. so I definitely dream of playing around with amphora or concrete with this one mm. down the line. For sure. um, it's Syrah, I think, can really benefit from like yeah, a, yeah, a little bit of that like earthen vessel yeah. yeah and i think you know with the property being minerality driven sand not limestone but still i think it would kind of lift it up a little bit um we just got a concrete open top tank so for fermentation oh yeah only. nice awesome there we go. um and everyone keeps asking what i'm gonna use it for and it'll kind of harvest will dictate what it gets used for but this is always the last thing to come in so it's free range. it can pretty much choose what it wants to do that's nice <laughs> that's that is nice. really yeah. cool well, yeah. and, and talking more about, um, you know, comparing Syrahs and styles and, you know, these are obviously quite different, as we've mentioned, although they have some through lines. Mm -hmm. But with your Luna Heart Syrahs and Piazza Syrahs. Yeah. Again, you mentioned the vineyards were planted just two years apart, same yeah. clone, different soils. Yeah. What are the distinguishing characteristics between those two Syrahs? Yeah. So with Piazza, we actually make two different ones. I make the state Syrah and the reserve Syrah. Um, and my vision for it, it depends a little bit on vintage and, and um, where it exactly ends up lying. 
Um, but my envision is for the estate Syrah to be more Australia heavy, so more of this clone. Mm-hmm. And on that property, the Australia is like black, black, black fruit. Like this has that mulberry red brightness to it. Right. And it is and like. It's not the color too. It's not yeah. as blue colored totally yeah so the australia on on the limestone is like black and blue fruits and so much limestone punch Mm -hmm. um and a really interesting herbaceousness in general syrah and young syrah has this note to me that early on in my career i called breathy and my boss she knew what I was talking about, and she hated that. <laughs> hated that. And then I breath, called You should call it breathy of someone you love. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> loving, loving Someone breath. you want to make out with. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That kind of breath. That's that, like, the breath I want to taste. <laughs> but then I also realized that it reminds me of wax lips. And huh. as a kid from the 90s, there's this character in Wax Lips that is like the strawberry in the wax. And it is that, it is that wax, that like breathy <laughs> quality to Syrah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Estrella on Piazza especially showcases that. Now mm. I maybe call it like lavender sage, but I still wax it's lips wax in my lips. head. Yeah, it's wax <laughs> lips. It's like that good, that good mystery waxy, not candy. Totally. Stop eating it. Stop yeah. eating yeah. it. Yeah. Stop eating it. Until you have to spit it Echoing in my mind. Exactly. Yes. Um, but we also have Albin clone, and so that's so <laughs> red fruit driven, and so I use a lot of, and that I use the dried stems in, and so um, the Albin goes predominantly into the reserve Syrah with a little bit of new oak. Um, but really to have that complexity of both the clones, the dried stems, the whole cluster, the de-stemmed all together. Um, it was funny because the originally why we made two different Syrahs was because I had bonus fruit in my first vintage at Piazza in 2019. Mm. And I decided, yeah, and I decided to do 40% whole cluster and just be like, let's just do it. I had always been apprehensive to go heavy on whole cluster with Syrah because it was what I was taught. Yep. And it's taken me a long time to take baby steps towards, <laughs> as I said, making the wines I you, want to make. You're yeah. taking steps up the Rhone Valley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just exactly. moving towards the extreme <laughs> north. Climbing the steep, <laughs> steep hillsides. Totally. up to the north. Yeah. Totally. Um, and I loved that wine, and we decided to bottle it as its own thing. But in all of my notes, I had written... QR, quick release Syrah. That was always <laughs> my vision for it. Really? And it needed at least a year in bottle. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that, yeah, you're more whole cluster, like to really get in, like, oh of course, gosh. like maybe you'll get like primaries first, yeah. then it'll feel very light and bright, and, like yeah. whatever. But the most interesting thing is like, Whole cluster of long age, totally. is really, really, where you get into all of the like the most remarkable totally. sort of corners of a wine. Yeah, yeah. So, Watch the yeah. Ten- so, tannins develop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then that that definitely was one of my favorite wines ever. So 2019 Piazza State Syrah. If you ever see it, buy it when we re-release it. Taste it. I feel like I've said that about <laughs> a number of the wines that you've touched tonight. If you see it, just buy yeah. it. Seriously. Take it. It's yours. Seriously. It will last. It will improve with Well, age. that was the fun thing. That was the, I mean, a lot, a lot of us winemakers, me in particular, I fight the score thing. Mm-hmm. Owners want to see it. It is an important marketing piece for a lot of people. We do it. Wine enthusiasts, of course, Matt knows me and knows the wines. And so, um, but he it was, I think, one of the first years, or I feel like it's a fairly new thing that they had introduced Seller Select, which is an extra little mark of wines that they deem that are extremely age worthy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he gave it to that wine. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. Because I always tell people when they're curious about aging wines to buy a case of something you love and experiment with it. And mm-hmm. I never drink my own Kool-Aid. <laughs> like, well, now, Gretchen, you've been told by Matt Ketman to drink the Kool-Aid on this one. <laughs> yeah, you're probably better about it than me, you, both of you. Like, I'm like a cellarless wine wine shop owner. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, I got all this new wine coming. Why would I save any? I just want to share it with everybody and get it out. And they can, they can if they can sit on it if they want. But uh, so, yeah, yeah, there are certain wines like, yeah, you, I really like desire to see like really your whole lineup like yeah. even some of the rosés you make are 
Yeah. Really, the really 2019, super I just came structurally across, amazing. Yeah. Um, two cases of the 2019 as we were shifting some things around the house. And I was like, dang, Gretchen, you really dropped the ball on this one. <laughs> and it's in- amazing. We took a case of it to the wedding. I was like, this is the wedding rosé. This is like, what yeah. I want to drink. Like, yeah. And it was cool to see. Which you can't but... say about most rosés. No. You know, come, come a year or two, come yeah. two years. Yeah. I'm done. ready to go on. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, it's fun to see. Yeah. I want to have Wretched in my wine club because she's my nice friend and she makes nice wine. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> no, Gretchen. Gretchen is so. Um, as a legitimate uh, podcast note, Gretchen is a inspiration and somebody who totally fits the satellite ethos, and also has been like really. I feel like our like professional careers, like you yeah. really, like you're saying, like the yeah. heart kind of came to be right around when we were figuring out what the heck we were so yeah totally yeah it's we've like, grown together so it makes sense to be here together yeah tonight. what grows we're together grows together, together. We're vintage ourselves and <laughs> yeah. So, and, yeah and i just like it's so you are it's stereotypical like you know satellite is like always trying to highlight small independent producers in santa barbara yeah. and like you're the definition of that yeah. you're doing an amazing job both like for your own personal brand and by influencing the winery that you, you know, that pays the bills. Yeah, um, totally. And Piazza is a great winery. Yeah. Um, and it's and been so such a dream to, to truly get to have the creative freedom to build something for somebody else, but yeah. still have it be 100% my own. And, um, and they're, they're, they're nice compliments to each other. The ethos is the same across the board. All the wines are unfined and unfiltered, minimal intervention. Um, but really getting to hone into the more estate side of Piazza with everything coming from our two vineyards um, versus trying products. to find somebody to grow me organic and biodynamic <laughs> and sustainable Cab Franc. Dang you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Is it, is it just Coquelico? Is it only the, Please. is that the only Cab Franc we've accessed? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Probably true. Uh, well, there's a few, I work with a few great little vineyards. So, you know, but they're so small that I'm like, okay, I've taken all of your Cab Franc mm-hmm. and now I've taken all of your Cab Franc and now I have to get Coquelico Cab Franc. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, no, and, and going back to the evolution yeah. too, um, just so this, this is said, just for context, yeah. you have been at Luna Hart for nine years now, right? Yeah. And now totally. just celebrate your fourth vintage with uh, Piazza. Piazza. So, I mean. Luna Hart started with 24 cases, and this year I made 800 cases. <laughs> Let's go. That is Let's so go. I'm awesome. pumped. I'm so pumped. That I'm also terrified. <laughs> <laughs> well. But this wine was actually the first wine that I embraced big growth, and it was a huge undertaking for me and a huge risk. And it was the first year um, that Luna Hart had profit to actually spend in the business. There we go. <laughs> I've heard about, what is the, what did you say? What's that word? Yeah, yeah, I don't, it doesn't actually weird. exist. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> How amazing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I made 200 cases of this wine and we ha- are just now officially releasing it. And I think we're already have sold through 40 cases. So that's pretty awesome. No surprise here. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like Good for super you. excited with all the growth that's coming. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's a joy. It really is. <laughs> so, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you for Brad. like you sitting guys. with us during this initial yes. test run of the podcast. <laughs> Look at our. Look at our producer. Speed.